This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Oliver Feekins is the founder and CEO of two digital companies, Trusted Search Marketing, as well as Track 5. And he is the very first Oliver that has ever been on my show. Oliver, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I know. Uh, Oliver's kind of a, a rare name, but I was born in London, and that's it's pretty popular where I'm from. So yeah, Oliver Twist. Yes. <laughs> that's right. Can I have some more? <laughs> now, I got to admit, when I first saw your name in my scan schedule, I said, Freakins? No, it's Feekins. <laughs> but you and I were talking before we started recording that your, I guess your band teacher used to call you Freakin... Feekins. Freaking Feekins. Yeah. It's I'm good for it at least once a month. And I, like I was saying, it's you look at the person who said it after they realize it's not that and they have this, this look of shame. And I'm just like, hey, it's okay. Like I said, there's worth things to be called, right? So yes, I wear is. it as a badge of honor. Yes, there is. There is many, many bad worst words you can be called. So you let's gonna talk about marketing and we're gonna talk about ADHD today. Now I want to start with yeah. the ADHD because I've had a lot of people who have ADHD been on my show and I ask them the same question and I always get the same answer. I want to see if you can keep the streak alive. Number one, have you been clinically diagnosed as ADHD? Yes. Okay. Second question is, does it annoy you when people self-diagnose ADHD? Yeah. And, and also their kids too, you know? So, you know, I have a, I have, I'm a new father. I have a three-year-old and an eight-month-old girl, three-year-old boy, eight-month-old girl, girl. And, uh, you know, my, my, my three-year-old's hyper, he's a hyper boy, right? And everyone's like, oh, he has ADD, he has ADHD. And, and I would say perhaps he does, but couldn't he also be just a hyper three-year-old boy? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I remember what I was like. So no, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I always wondered about that because when people tell me, yeah, I've got ADD or I got ADHD, and I'm like, have you been diagnosed? They go, no, I just know. No, you have to go to a doctor, okay? Don't go to Dr. Google. Go to a doctor and get diagnosed. And and I have not talked to one clinically diagnosed ADD or ADHD person that said, oh, yeah, I was self-diagnosed. No, they went to got clinical diagnosed. They, they yeah. thought they had a problem. Not a problem in a bad way, but they knew they had an issue. They went and got it diagnosed. But I wouldn't say, you know what? I think I've got a, a heart murmur. And and I go to the doctor and say, I need heart surgery. They're going to go, wait, what? You know, it'd be yeah. weird, right? So if yeah. you think you have trouble paying attention, go get diagnosed. But more than that, we live in a world. Now I'm 56 years young. I live in a world that's on 24-7, 365. So you may not be ADD or ADHD. You may just be overstimulated with all the social media, all the devices, everything going on every day, nonstop. So there is a difference. That's why you have to be clinically diagnosed. Right. And, and really, I mean, f I don't think focus, I mean, you're, you're kind of the expert on this one. I don't think focus is something that comes natural to anybody. I think it's an intentional behavior, right? So you know, if you're not putting any effort to, to remain focused or to focus yourself or to limit distractions, it doesn't mean you have ADHD. It just means you're not focusing yourself. Right. And, you know, it's funny when I, I got diagnosed when I was like, you know, 11 years old, pretty much a year after coming to the States from England. Uh, you know, I, I went to go to the, to the psychologist. I was in second grade here and they played a game of Uno with me <laughs> for like 20 minutes. We played Uno and that was enough to diagnose me. So I don't know what is in the game of Uno, but uh, apparently it's enough to diagnose a you know, 12 year old kid. I, so, didn't, uh, yeah. 
I did not know that Uno was a uh, ADHD diagnostic tool. That's very fascinating. But uh, well, secretly I saw her going on Doctor Google, so you know it must have been a mix of the two. You know, it's like it's like when I, you know the running joke is every time you try and self self diagnose yourself on WebMD, it leads to cancer. You know, so it's like you know no matter what you put in, you have cancer. So it's it's one of those things where you're right. You can't trust the internet. It's, there's so many overlying symptoms. There is, and you know. What's that saying? Believe half of what you see and none of what you read or something like that. You've got to really use the power of your brain that go, huh, does this make sense? It doesn't. So just, right. we all have a brain, use it. So let's talk about ADHD and productivity. So one of the things you said you wanted to talk about in the show is how you get things done uh, as someone who deals with ADHD. Yeah, it's it's definitely like my largest weakness as a leader, right? As an entrepreneur, because um, you know, I, I was telling you in the in the pre-interview here when I was in high school, we took a, a career assessment, right? And the idea behind this test is to help you identify what you should be based on how you take the test. And I went to a, a pretty good private school. Everybody was getting doctor, attorney, you know, whatever, business owner, you know, all these illustrious titles or whatever. Um, and mine came back and said I was supposed to be a sanitation worker. You know, I was crushed. I was, and it was so deflating for me to, to, to see. And it, it was because, you know, as somebody with ADHD, I don't fit in that, that round circle, that peg, right? I'm, I'm a little different. My mind works a little bit differently. And, and, you know, once I really started going into the self journey of trying to understand what I have and some workarounds for it and specifically relating to school and, and running a business, then I started to kind of find these, these aids, if you will, these things that would help me. And what the first thing, in that process for me was to realize that I'm not good at this, that I need help with this, right? Because it's easy for me to blame other people. Well, it's your fault that you, you, what do you mean you don't understand what I'm saying? I'm saying it, you know, like that was for me, the first few years of me as an entrepreneur was, you know, I'm guys, I can't say this more clearly. Why don't you, you know, I was getting frustrated. And at some point toward the middle of my, you know, leadership or whatever you want to call it, business owning experience, I realized that, that my issue, my, my ADHD, my ability to focus, you know, my mind is always three steps ahead of what's coming out of my mouth. And I'm moving around so much that people across from me can't follow me. But I didn't recognize that because to me, it makes perfect sense. And I was getting frustrated. So the first thing, you know, I did with my management team and my, my, my team is I was just honest. Guys, I have ADHD. I have a really hard time staying focused topically, and especially when I'm talking. And I realize it can be hard to follow me. I need you to slow me down and reposition me. And I don't want you to feel bad. Don't, don't worry about hurting my feelings. If you're not understanding what I'm saying, I need to communicate it better. And it's my fault. Okay. So that was the first thing. Second is setting up systems, right? So one of the things with ADHD is you're constantly doing a hundred things in your mind at the same time. It's like, I always tell people it's like flipping through channels on a TV. Eventually the, the show will come back around again. But you're, you're, you kind of know what's going on through all 60 channels and you're just kind of running it through, which means it's really hard to track on one thing. You know, I would, you know, common behaviors for people with ADHD are to be unfocused, maybe miss meetings, maybe forget to do things because they're on so many different tasks. I employed my admin staff, right? And I, I went to my admin staff. There was a time when I was so overworked and so manic with, with ADHD that I actually had to have my assistant text me five minutes before every meeting on my calendar for a short period of time, because I knew that I was, I was not coping well with, with ADHD. I was, I was doing too much and I wasn't able to even use my tools to focus. And for a short period of time, that's what helped me. But, you know, you know, there is a lot of people, Mark, that, that would be too embarrassed or too afraid to ask for help. 
And you've got to kind of get over that if you really want to do it. So besides that, I use a series of tools which help me. Um, you know, Evernote would be one. You know, Trello. Uh, I can't tell you how much Trello changed my life. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. I am. You are. So if for those of you who are looking for a little bit of organization, Trello.com, it's a free application. It's owned by uh, Jira, Atlantis, and the guys that make all the, the uh, project management software. It has an iPhone app, but it kind of puts everything into cards and, and piles, and you can move these cards across, and it's very simple, you know, to do, doing, done. And you can color code them. You can invite people. And for me, for whatever reason, as an ADHD mind, that visual way of organizing data really spoke to me and it, it, it changed my life. I have Trello cards for home. I have Trello for the grocery store. I have Trello for personal development. I have Trello for, for you know, uh, professional development. I use Trello as my biggest crutch. I love it. Hmm. When you were talking about your career assessment and you said they told you you should be a sanitation worker. I took the same test in ninth grade. You want to take a guess what I, what they suggested I go into? It's not productivity. I'll, I'll tell you that right now. I was going to say, is it? I would say, oh man, just talking to you. I'm going to say something engineering related. Well, thank you for that vote of confidence. It was agriculture, believe it or not. And I remember I went home really? and told my mom, I said, mom, What? You're going to be a farmer. <laughs> we we don't live on a farm. I don't know a farmer. I'm like, what is this? So I don't really have a lot of, a lot of stock in those things. Yeah. Farmer. Yeah. I'm farmer Mark. I don't think so. Um, I'm not Mr. Agriculture here. I'm Mr. Productivity. Uh, you know, you mentioned tools and I I've heard of Trello. I tried using Trello. Trello wasn't for me. You know what I like to use my favorite tool of all is I'm 56 years young. I had to put that in the context for the listener is I love my bullet journal. I don't have it in front of me right here. I love the bullet journal because I use a moleskin lined notebook for my journal. And what I'll do is I put my task in there. I put my plan in there. I write my goals in there. Everything goes in my bullet journal. And the reason why I do that is I take it with me everywhere. But most importantly, for me, writing things down helps me think. Now, this is what I do. I'm not saying you have to do this, listener or Oliver. This was, I, I tried many different planners. I've tried apps, and this works for me. And so what I do is someone goes, oh, Mark, I got the perfect planner. And I'll look at it, and I'll probably buy one. And I'll, there'll be like one or two elements that I like about that planner, and I'll manually write it in my bullet journal because I don't like the whole planner. See, when you buy someone else's planner, you're restricted to their lanes, like, uh, like bowling, you're restricted to their lanes. And I encourage people is to listen to the tools you talked about and listen to tools I'm talking about and figure out what works for them. The magic is not just using what we talk about. The magic is finding out what tool will work for you and that you will use. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I've sat down, I have some people, I had a, a, a an employee here who also had ADD I wouldn't have known it. Um, she was on, you know, obviously on medication for it. And, but she was just a straight line. Right. And when she told me she had ADD, I didn't believe her. I said, there's no way you have what I have, you know? And she said, well, you should see me off the medication. And then she showed me her systems and she had developed such stringent systems, which I don't think could work for almost anybody else, but you're right. Everybody has their own individual system. But for her, she was the most organized I've ever seen anybody in my life. And I couldn't not, I could not understand how she has what I have and is that organized. 
but it just goes, you know, everyone has their own individual process of working with it. I find for me, the hardest thing with ADHD and just, just organization in general for me is getting it from my mind's a pen and paper. Mm. I have this block where I, I, I don't want to write it down because I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to take what it's in my head to a, into a, a couple lines on a, on a book, right? Or a Trello card even. And that, that's been very hard. Also organization, you know, where, you know, how do I, you know, it's difficult for, for people who don't think in that way. The biggest thing I tell people when they say, how do I get more focus? I said, it starts with intentionality. Focus is not just going to happen. It's a muscle. You have to work on it. I, like most people, my best ideas come in the shower or when I have nothing to write with. And I hate that. So next to my bed, I have a notepad. And if I wake up in the middle of the night, I will write down the idea. Now I don't turn my light on. I just, I have a pen sitting on the pad and as I'm writing the idea, I'm like, I hope I can read this. I, I think I'm spelling it right. Cause I don't want to turn the light on and then signal my body's time to wake up. Sometimes I wake up and I look at that paper. I'm like, huh? And I'm thinking, what, a, what did I write? So I I've, I've learned to like, when I'm writing, don't worry about the whole phrase, just write one letter at a time. Cause it's hard. I'm like half asleep and it's the middle of the night and I'm trying to write in the dark. But that, the point is to your point, is you have to capture the idea immediately because it's not going to be there in the morning. It's not going to be there after that Zoom call. It's not going to be there after you get home. So if you're driving and you get a right idea, uh, you can pull off the side of the road or get off the exit, pull in the parking lot and record the idea. You have to capture it immediately. It is not going to stick around. It's going to vaporize. And so many people will go, oh, I won't forget. And then they get home late and they're like, oh, wait a minute. I had this idea something about it was brown like because you didn't record it and whether you have adhd add or your regular you know functioning human being if there is such a thing you have to record these ideas immediately because your brain is doing so much work if you don't capture it it can't hold on to all the thoughts so please gift yourself by writing it down yeah. And then as I'm talking to you, I'm looking at my whiteboard, right? Which I, I, you know, it being in marketing, right? Like I have the largest whiteboard I could find in our previous office. We did the idea paint, which is the entire wall, which was awesome. It was my dream, but you know, I'm looking at it, I'm seeing words and, 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 you know, tag clouds and, and constructs of, of, you know, for me writing an idea and what it relates to it helps me organize it in my head. So that's kind of my, my bulleted list, right? Is, is that, you know, these, these, these constructs, these, you know, being able to throw it on a whiteboard visually. For some reason, I just, I'm able to, to see that a little bit better in my mind. But no, I, I hear you. Yeah, I love whiteboards because you're actually taking your hand, you're taking the pen, and you're actually writing your ideas. I mean, I wish I could have it. I don't have the space for something like that. But I've been in offices where, like you said, the whole wall is a whiteboard. And then people can come in as they come up with ideas, and they just add the idea. And as the days and weeks go by, this whole idea comes from a bunch of gobbledygook to an idea. But the point is, you're capturing those ideas. I can't emphasize that enough. You have to capture the idea. I don't care if you use an app or a notebook or a whiteboard. Capture those ideas because... Whether we have ADHD or not, there's so much stimuli in our world today that it's really difficult to focus. If you ever read the book Cal, by Cal Newport, Deep Work, it's when you're going to write a book or you're going to write a blog post or whatever, 
you just do that one thing, but we are so conditioned in 2021 to check text messages, to check Facebook, to write the blog post. And then we wonder why our marketing's not hitting because we didn't give it our full focus. We were distracted. Hey, you listening to the Mark Stuchowski podcast. Thank you so much for doing so. I really appreciate it. But are you a Mark Stuchowski insider yet? This is my free email newsletter, and you can sign up right now by going to mrproductivity.com. M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. Yeah. And that's, that's a big, that's a big, uh, issue in, in marketing in general, right? So the lack of clarity, the lack of strategy, um, you know, and, and really the deeper focus on tactics instead of the strategy that drives those tactics. And a lot of times, you know, what, what we do with our clients is, is really focus them down. And to them, it seems a little bit like a cheap shot, you know, well, why are we just doing this? Why aren't we doing all these things? And, you know, it's kind of the old adage, right? You can, you know, jack of all trades, master of none, or, you know, if you do all things, you know, you're doing them all very poorly. And, and for us, you know, you know, marketing, good marketing isn't just done by slapping something down anymore. I mean, there's, there's so much noise. I mean, 10 years ago, you probably could have done that, but there's so much noise specifically in social and search right now that you really have to invest that time and that quality to be able to, to rise to the top. And that, and, and it's never where the client has infinite resources or, or even us internally, right? We don't have infinite resources. So we've really got to position those resources to make the biggest bang. And that, that comes from constricting and focusing and providing that clarity on the overall strategy and goals we're trying to accomplish. So let's transition over to marketing because marketing is life. If you have a business, a brand, you're trying to promote your cause, you you need to get the word out. I heard Grant Cardone, whom I really like because he's kind of successful. He's got two helicopters, a private plane, and $2 billion in net worth. And he was saying on one of the things I saw him, I think it was one of the, the courses I took from him, and he goes, attention is paramount. If you don't have attention, courses don't matter. Landing pages don't matter. SEO doesn't matter. If you can't get people's attention, they're not going to go to your whatever the thing is. And so I was a, I got off of Twitter about four or five months ago because I really wanted to clean my, my feed. And there's no way to do it except for deleting your account, waiting 30 to 45 days or 60 days, however long it is, and then getting your account back. And I did that. Now, shocking Mark Stuchowski was still available on Twitter. And now what I'm doing is I'm actually doing what Grant Cardone does. He posts a, like a trillion times a day on Twitter because unlike TikTok and Instagram and LinkedIn and Facebook, who don't want you to post a lot because the algorithm Twitter wants you to do that. So what I do is I actually post at least once an hour, 24 hours a day. I'm just like, because I want to get attention because I understand now, and I want you to talk about this, that if nobody knows you exist, it doesn't matter what you're selling. Would you agree with that? It's, it's right. I mean, that, that's it, right? So it's that classic balance, that pendulum swing between you know, product and promotion, right? And we see this in, you know, my, my other company, Track 5, right? We have, you know, we have everybody siloed, right? So the, the development team, their focus is to make the very best product, to make it lean, to make the, the code base the best, right? But, you know, they don't focus on the promotion side, right? And they're, they're not really interested in it. And us as a company, we constantly have to kind of readjust that pendulum 
to say, look, it doesn't matter if you have the best product, if nobody knows it exists or if it doesn't meet the needs of the business. Right. You know, and that's kind of, it kind of all boils together, but you're right. My, my old man used to tell me nothing happens to you sell something and, you know, and, and he's right. I always remember that to, to my end of day. And what that really does that, that paramount in sales and marketing, that premium on sales and marketing, it doesn't matter. When I launched track five, right. My very first product that we launched was done by one developer. We outsourced it to India. Um, it was a, in retrospect, a very poor platform, but it solved the need and it did it well. The code was atrocious. It, it, it surprised it lasted for a year. But during that year, we were able to build the business over to a million dollars. So guess what? We had funds to be able to, to refactor that code, that platform into something better. And we've done that several times over. But if I would have taken the amount of, you know, if I would have drained my, my bank, I wouldn't have been able to afford to make that quality product and promote it and get it to where it was. I would have had a great product with no customers and the business would have failed. So, you know. Sometimes it would go against, you know, the general rule of thumb. Why, why did you make an inferior product? You know, well, because that's what we could afford. We needed to get to revenue. We needed to prove the model. We needed to get out there and create a brand and get in people's faces. And, and we know that if we succeed there and generate money, the business has potential. Then we can invest in, in our infrastructure a little bit more. There are so many people on the internet that call themselves social media experts. And when you say you're a social media expert, and I go to your profile, whether it be on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or TikTok, and you don't have a lot of followers. I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> especially if I have more followers than you. And so that really annoys me. Do you, does that bother you, whether it's social media or marketing? If you can go and see someone, how successful they are. And I know followers doesn't mean you have clients, but if you're telling me I know how to get you to a hundred thousand Instagram followers and you have 6,000 to me. That's like, uh, I don't believe you. Yeah, it's true. We see it in, in everything, right? So when in the last couple of years with all the courses that have came out, I mean, you, I, I get targeted on YouTube, right? And I see, uh, these pre-roll ads show up. It's like, Hey, want to be an SEO business? Want to be an internet marketing business? Take this course and go to market. I'm like, wow. That's all it takes. <laughs> you know, is that all it really is? It's that I pay $800. I take this five course. I'm going to, in five day course, I'm going to go into business being an expert. Five days. To, I mean, what, what was I doing for the last 15 years? So, you know, it was one of the, you know, I could have just taken this course. So, you know, it's one of those things where you're right. You know, me personally, for example, like I really very rarely do anything on social, mainly because I'm in it all day. And, you know, I'm, I'm in it so much that it, it starts to consume you a little bit. So kind of, I made the, the kind of the, the, thought very early on that when I get home, I'm shutting it off and I'm, I'm going to be with my, my young family. And because for a while it was consuming me, I was, you know, I was on it all the time. I was sitting, you know, watching, you know, TV with my kids and tweeting at the same time. And I, you know, I wasn't, I was there, but I wasn't there presently. So that was kind of one of the things I had to do uh, very early on, or it was just going to consume me as the business grows. But we see it with SEO, you know, we see, um, you know, SEO experts that aren't ranking for anything at all that have, you know, poor SEO on their websites, but very, very basic level. And, and we, we can, compete with those guys. And, and oftentimes it's difficult because they come up, you know, they're just trying to get in the industry. They're, they're going to do a pretty poor job or a very basic level job. And they're going to charge very minimal rates. And we're coming in with kind of industry standard rates that are higher, but we're going to do the right job. And, and you're right. There's, that's that noise, right? There's just a lot of noise. Everybody's an expert. 
uh, right now <laughs> and everything. <laughs> yes. That, and, and I heard Grant or I read one of his tweets. He says, everyone thinks they're an expert, but everyone's really trying to figure it out. Like you said, yeah. YouTube yeah. changes every day. Instagram changes every day. And yeah. so you may be a few feet ahead of the of most people, but unless you created the platform, you're still learning. And I, right. and I heard Brendan Burchard say something once. And I love this. He says, true experts are students first. Do you agree with that? Yeah. And, and I, I don't even like to use the word expert. You know, I've been doing this for almost two decades. Right. And, and, you know, I've been very successful in it, but you know, when people come to us and say, well, why should I go with you over this, this other agency or whatnot? You know, my response isn't, well, we're, we're better than them. We, we know more than them. It's, we're all very, at some level, we're all very good at what we do. You're really going for differences of ideas. You're really going for, uh, you know, work ethic, transparency, results, things like that. But, you know, anybody in marketing and, and sales for that matter, but mainly marketing, a good idea can come from anybody. Execution is really the thing that sets them apart. Yeah, I always tell people, keep your eyes and ears and mind open. You could get a, a tremendous productivity tip from the school crossing guard. So I I never think that they, they call me Mr. Productivity, but I, I don't think I have all the answers. And so I've learned from every guest on my show. I learned from everyone who engages me in social media because I want to be a student first. Because as I continue to accumulate knowledge, I can in turn turn around and help people. And that's the whole point. But if you think I've got it all figured out, I think you've actually closed your mind from further learning at that point. Yeah. And wouldn't, and Mark, wouldn't you feel kind of uncomfortable going to, I don't know, for example, a doctor that said he's the best and he knows everything and no one can teach him anything more. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like that would make me a little uneasy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I would uh, think that, wow, you know, are you closed off to where you can't, you know, uh, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Same thing with an SEO expert or an, a social expert. If they say I'm the best and the number one, there's nobody better than me. I would immediately doubt that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I had a, I had a lady on my show just last week. And she was all about video marketing and, and she goes, well, do you have a YouTube channel? I said, well, I have a YouTube channel. I haven't done anything more with it. And she says, do you know, YouTube is the second most used search engine on the internet. I'm like, oh, you're making me feel guilty. And she goes, you need to be on YouTube. So I'm, I'm an, I'm an active action taker. That's a term I got from somebody. I took a course from uh, Jamie masters. She's a uh, host of the eventual millionaire podcast. She said you have to take active action. So what I decided on September 30th was I was going to create one video every day in the month of October. Now I'm not going to, not 45, 60 minute, four hour videos, just three to five minute videos. And I've done it every day up to this point. Here's the thing. The first three, four days was real easy. Then it's like, okay, what am I going to talk about today? But the point is, is I want to show up on YouTube because if you want to grow your business and brand, you've got to be places you don't want to be. Okay. If you don't like Twitter, but if your clients are on Twitter, you better be on Twitter. If you don't like Snapchat, but you have a younger demographics, you better be on Snapchat. Same with TikTok. It's not about you. If you're trying to serve a market, serve an audience, you've got to be where they are, whether you like the platform or not. I see so many people go, I just do LinkedIn and Clubhouse. That's great. But what about Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and YouTube? Oh, I don't do those. I don't like them. Wait a minute. Are you trying to buy your, yourself or are you trying to get customers? But there are some people that are so, to use a word used earlier, siloed. I only use LinkedIn. 
but you're missing a whole market. And I think, and tell me if I'm off based on this, Oliver, that if you really want to get as much prospects as possible, you're going to have to do some things you don't want to do. Yeah. And, and on top of that, you're going to have to, to kind of learn some things you, you need to learn. Right. So to your, to your point, right. Um, you know, uh, Twitter has been around for, uh, for a while. Everyone's pretty familiar with that, but some of the newer platforms and, and future platforms that aren't even out yet, you know, they're going to, they're going to come on the scene. And the natural reaction is, you know, as you get older is, well, I don't need to, I'm pretty happy where I'm at. I don't, I don't, and really what it comes down to is, is a little bit of a fear of, of kind of having to learn it. I'm not going to understand it. I'm, you know, what if I make a mistake? And, you know, you have to develop that comfortability with, you know, the TikToks of the world and things like that. And, and any future platform that comes, because you think in the next 20 years, there's going to be more platforms than the one that, ones that come out. I mean, there already are every day, right? Where, you know, you Clubhouse, for example, right? Um, so you have to continually evolve to meet where your market is. I like that. There's a Steve Harvey quote that I absolutely love, and I want people to listen to this very carefully. He says, you will never be successful until you become comfortable with being uncomfortable. What do you think about that quote? I love it. I love it. And, 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 you know, I always tell people here, you know, um, you know, especially when it comes to workload and, and, and skill development, you know, upskilling, right. You know, my, my mantra to my team here has always been, you should feel uncomfortable. You should never feel comfortable. And, and my HR department actually came down and said, we don't think that's really nice to say, um, you know, don't you want your team to be comfortable here? And I'm like, comfortable physically, but they should always want to grow because the industry that we're in, grows. So, you know, we have people, we've had people here in the past that um, attained a certain level of skill and sat on it for a couple of years and within a couple of years became the bottom of the barrel as far as skill, skill you know, ability. So, you know, yes, we want them to feel physically comfortable, but we want them to be in a, a, a continual cycle of self-learning. I'm very comfortable with over 970 episodes of the podcast, and I'm not shy. If anybody's seen me on social media, I'm not shy of creating videos for TikTok and Instagram reels and stuff like that. But YouTube's a little bit differently. So you do the aspect ratio is horizontal instead of portrait mode. And so it's forcing me to get a little uncomfortable, but that's okay because now I'm growing. And those who grow are the most successful people, the people who are stagnant and go, well, I've learned all I want to learn. I'm an expert on MySpace. Uh, hello, MySpace isn't a thing anymore. Okay. Is MySpace even a thing? Are they still around? No, I, I think the domain exists, but I don't think anybody does anything with it. It's uh, it's kind of a little bit older. But and I, wonder, I always it, wonder. My, my, yeah. my point is, is like, if you say all I do is Facebook, I know people, all they do is Facebook. Okay. The yeah. problem is a lot of the millennials, they don't use Facebook. They've yeah. moved on to TikTok and Snapchat now. And so if you say, look it, if they're not on Facebook, I don't care. Really? Really? So, I mean, I have a lot of followers on LinkedIn and LinkedIn, I think is, it's kind of scattered. They don't know what the, they're going to do. Uh, professional networking. They're going to do stories. They're going to do live. They're going to do groups. They, they're so scattered. And I think there's so much potential there, but I, I think, a social platform's got to be fun. Snapchat, which I use, is fun. TikTok is fun. Instagram is fun. YouTube is fun. And I think LinkedIn, I'm going to say it. I know a lot of my friends are big on LinkedIn. It's boring. I mean, the, the, the go there is feed. It's like, what am I looking at? It's not pleasant. It's not pleasant on the eyes. And I think, but my point is people need to get uncomfortable 
They have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And you're going to have to go on platforms. I hate Twitter. Okay, look it. Do you want to grow? If your clients and prospects are on Twitter, you're going to have to be on Twitter. You're not going to have, you may not like it, but if that's where your prospects are, if that's where your potential customers are, which are prospects, you got to be on Twitter. And so maybe you don't like TikTok, but maybe that's your audience. Then learn how to use TikTok and grow your your business or your cause. Does your to-do list have you overwhelmed? When you join my digital productivity coaching program, you'll learn how to get and stay focused, become untangled from the chaos of your to-do list, experience less overwhelm, and have time to do what you really want to do. Sign up today by clicking the coaching tab at mrproductivity.com. And really, these are these are just channels, right? These are just these are just destination points for the content you create. And you know, certain certain channels or certain platforms, if you will, you know, have different advantages for different demographics. As you mentioned, right, Facebook versus TikTok, for example, or LinkedIn versus you know Snapchat. That being said, they are destinations. And I want to, if I may, I just want to circle back to something you said. Uh, you know, when you were talking about kind of video, and I, I actually have. It's interesting. So. Uh, you know, we're, as we're talking about productivity, marketing, and video, I, you know, I, I think there's something interesting here that will tie these together. So we've been actually experimenting with a content model that is a video-first content model um, for us, which, which we've always done video. I've been heavy into video. But what we've been trying to experiment with is how can we use video to lead and grow all our other channels and platforms. And if you, if you have a minute, I'll explain what I mean by that. But what it's allowed us to do is become hyper productive in our marketing, get three times uh, as, you know, the, the amount of work done as, as once, but also have better quality and better targeting. And it's, we're still in the very early stages of experimenting with it, but it's, it's, it's pretty neat. It's actually, it's a pretty brilliant idea. I don't say so myself. It's, uh, you know, I didn't necessarily come up with it, so I won't take credit for it, but we've been using it and it has been pretty fantastic. So if you have a minute, I'll explain what that is. Yeah, go right ahead. So video first, right? We're basically, what we're, we're, we're double downing on is that we believe in the next 10 years and, and subsequently already video is where it's going to be. If you look at the statistics for, for, you know, Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or, or whatnot, I mean, it's, it's all video driven. It's all video driven at this point, right? So very, you know, very few is just specific posts. So we see this is where we're at today. We know where it's going in the future. So we know that that's the medium that people are choosing to consume on social, but also beyond the web, right? That's why you see, you know, CNN or Fox News showing videos above their text. Everyone's moving to a video centric and video first platform. So what does that mean for us? We're going to be video first. We're going to basically come up with our content around making a, a the best video we can, the most informative, long-form video. We're going to bring in things like graphics, sounds, you know, infographics, you know, editing, uh, the whole works, right? And we're going to, to, to make it everything we do on video. So what does this look like in real life, right? So let's just say, uh, I'm, actually, I'm working on right now. Let me explain this to you. So we're going to be doing a, a massive video, uh, which is going to be 15. Basically, the video is titled 15 Things... Uh, you know, to, to, to beat SEO in 2020, 15 tactics that you need to know to dominate SEO in 2022. Sorry. So what are we doing with this in video? We're basically, I'm literally writing out the script, what I'm going to say word for word, and I got to run that through our teleprompter. 
so that I can uh, productivity, right? ADHD, I can stay focused and on message, right? <laughs> and also it keeps me moving forward. And this is going to be a 30 minute video full of action packed tips, terminology, abbreviations, things that I have, I've, I could potentially mess up a hundred times. So reading off the teleprompter is really helpful, but we're going to go through these very action packed, very value driven, actionable 15 things and explain them within detail, give examples, Im images. We're going to show relational constructs. We're going to show video, you know, screenshots of tools, like we're, it's going to be action packed, right? So we're going to make this video. It's going to be 30 minutes. It's going to be amazing, right? So that's my content. That's my piece. So here's what I'm going to do with that. I'm going to take that script that I had. I'm going to spend probably all of 10 minutes of this 10 page, you know, script, and we're going to adjust it from being able to be spoken to more of a blog format. Okay. I'm going to take the images and the constructs and the videos and the screenshots that I use for the video, and I'm going to embed them in it. I'm going to post it up as a blog. All right. So now I have a nine to 10,000 word blog full with all kinds of integrated imagery and, and rich media that Google craves. Google loves that. Anytime we do long form content with images and videos and things like that, it outranks everything else to a T. Google loves that, that because also allows them to show that blog through more places like Google images, things like that, other parts of Google. Right. So we're doing that. So then what are we going to do? I'm going to declip the sound. I'm going to take the sound out. I'm going to wash it. I'm going to throw it up in a podcast, right? So now we have, you know, and it's, we also have to kind of consider this when we're writing the script so that it can be done and also, you know, suggest people come to the video or the blog to check it out, right? So now I've got a, a really well-written blog full of images, the best blog that's going to be around there because it's so rich. We've got the video, we've got the audio clipped into podcasting. And then what do we do? We take the video and instead of those 15 tips, we cut them into 15 smaller bite-sized videos or even smaller than that. We take each one of those tips and come up with a quote. Uh, and, you know, we'll put those in graphics or we'll, we'll take little pieces of screenshots, like very quick tips, and we'll chop those down into about 20 to 30 to 40 tips throughout the whole thing in video. We load it into, for example, Hootsuite, something automated that we're able to control. And we actually schedule those through all the platforms, LinkedIn, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. So now we have three weeks worth of social posts with high quality content. Again, linking back to our blog posts, linking back to the videos so we can get other collateral like subscribers, backlinks to the blog and potentially more business. You know, and on top of that, you know, we're able to use that in email as well. We're able to say, you know, put a, a teaser of that video or a teaser of that blog and use it out for email. So, so Mark, I've created one amazing piece of content, which by the way, will take me the amount of time of doing maybe five or 10 of them like normal ones. But by creating that one, I've been able to create almost a hundred other unique and relevant and valuable pieces of content and save myself 10 times the amount of time. and really, really recycling the value of that one piece. And, you know, it has made us insanely more productive in how we do things from a marketing standpoint. I love it. And I've actually done that before. I've recorded the video. I, I got to get back to doing it because it's repurposing is genius. I record a video, make a podcast, make a blog, and it just saves so much time. Yeah. But it starts with, you know, the concept. Now, I'm one of these people that I have this innate ability. Some people may say I'm I'm full of BS, <laughs> but I can sit here and go, I need to create a video, get a piece of scratch paper, want to talk about the topic, get a couple bullet points, memorize them, go out and record the video. And people go, how do you do that? I said, I don't know. Maybe because yeah. I've done so many podcasts, I don't prepare for the shows. I just, this is all organic. I don't do any scripted questions. Yeah. It's just an ability I have. And so I you harness remember. that. <laughs> but a lot of people, and what I do 
is I will record the video, make a podcast, do all the stuff you said. But then when I record the 60 second video for Instagram reels or TikTok or, you know, short term videos, what I'll do is I won't use the video just recorded because it's too much work to resize everything. I already have the concept. Now, instead of talking for five, 10, 15 minutes, I only have to talk for up to 60 seconds. I just pick one bullet point and record one video for there. But my point is that the, the topic is the same. So many people are coming up with unique top, unique po uh, posts for Twitter, a unique one for Instagram, unique one for Facebook. That's too much work. Come up with a, a core concept like you suggested and then use it for YouTube, TikTok, everywhere else. It just makes your life so much easier. Plus, you've got automation that will transcribe it for you. There's so much stuff you can do. And you're right. Google, YouTube, the, the world wants content, but they don't want crap content they want good content and so that's really important i did learn something a couple days ago that apparently youtube and i did not know this and i've not verified it i heard it from a fairly reliable source that youtube knows the source of the video and videos that are shot on a smartphone for some reason the algorithm gives them more love Apparently, huh. YouTube wants more people. They don't want the super produced videos with multiple camera angles and high expensive, you know, lighting and cameras and doodads. They want you shooting it on your iPhone. Now, I have not been able to verify that, but to me, it would make sense because yeah. they want you to be in the moment. And they um, want that authenticity. Yeah, like Snapchat, their their phrases capture the moment. I mean, yeah. it's really succinct. And I think when it comes to content. People are overthinking like this morning I was out running and I have this game with the sun. So I run every day and there's this bridge. I take a picture every single day and my goal is to always get there before the sun comes up. So I took a picture this morning and I put on Twitter, beat the sun up again today. What time did you get up? And I just post that on Twitter. Now, when we go, when we fall back an hour, it's going to be a little difficult because I'm not getting up at four o'clock in the morning to beat the sun up. But yeah. my point is, is people love that kind of content. It doesn't always have to be the 15 tips to beat SEO in 2022. Sometimes you can say, Hey, listen, I went golfing today because people don't hire a business. They hire a person. And I right. see so many people making the mistake of they're keeping it all business, but you're a person. I talk about my love for reading, my love for running. Uh, I'm an evangelical Christian. I talk about that because that's who I am. I don't think people should sanitize who they are. I think they should let their personality shine because that's who ultimately people are doing business with. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. And and even when you're doing, for example, the, the business related blogs, right? That's why I like the video content because it allows me to interject my personality in there as well. You know, it allows me to interject um, my style. You know, it allows me to interject my beliefs into that, into that content as well, while still giving them the value of, of helping them improve. But, and that's why, you know, a lot of these YouTube, like the Gary V, right? You know, they're delivering a lot of content, you know, about how to do things, but they do it in a way that's, it's trademarked them. You know, there's, there's no other Gary V. There's no other Grant Cardone, right? You know, these guys, their, their charisma levels are like a 15 out of a, you know, 10, like they're off the chart charismatic. And, you know, I don't know if you could have gave that content to anybody else that would have traveled just as far. I don't right. think so. It, you know, hundred uh, percent. He's got the daily V show, which apparently yeah. is a weekly V. Now I don't watch him because I don't like his language. He's brilliant. Yeah. 
He's absolutely brilliant. I read his books because there's not a lot of cursing in the books. Um, but, you know, he is himself. And I, I tell people that I want to be a clean version of Gary Vaynerchuk. So what I mean by that is if you see Gary on the streets, you can walk up to him and say hi, shake his hand, take a selfie. I see a lot of people, and I'm not going to mention their names, who think they're better than anyone else. Yeah. They're not. They still go to the bathroom like we do. They still wear right. clothes like we do. They still digest food like the rest of us do. I don't want to be that person. I told my yeah. wife, never let me be one of those jerks. I want to be someone <laughs> that someone goes, oh, my gosh, you're Mark Stuchowski. I'm like, no, I'm not a deity. Okay. <laughs> I'm a real person. And I love that about Gary because Gary and Grant, they say, listen, uh, Gary Grant came from drug, you know, the drug yeah. abuser, you know, he almost died and yeah. look where he is now. And, and I think people who, if you pay me a hundred thousand dollars to be in my mastermind, you can get close to me. I don't want to be around people like that. They may be brilliant. Yeah. They may be very successful, but I don't want to hang around people like that. I want to hang around clean versions of Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. And actually he has, I don't know if he's still doing it, but he has a clean version of Gary V. Yeah, he he stopped stopped updating it now. I think got, I think the editor goes, dude, this is too much work. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I know maybe it's that, or he just says, I can't really stop cursing. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, yeah, that's I, I agree. That's that's one of those things, right? So it's if you think about that, that's interesting to me because if I'm Gary Vaynerchuk, Vaynerchuk I'm I'm almost weighing out, you know. Cause you, you have to, th cause I agree with you. Like a lot of, I know a lot of people, you know, as, as a Christian myself, like I know a lot of people who would love Gary's content, but they just, they can't get there because it's just a little bit offensive for him. Right. And, you know, it's hard to hear or, and I, and I would argue that some of the language actually detracts from the message he's trying to create. But I, I also agree that the, it's some of that language probably defines his persona. Like he wants to be that guy that curses. He wants to be the bad boy of whatever, you know what I mean? So he's building that into his marketing persona. And I wonder if he at some point did the calculation of, you know, because at some point he knew to make when he made that section, right? He made that copy with the clean versions of, of what he's doing. He knew he, someone had to come to him or he's smart enough guy that he, he knows that he's, he's, he's cutting off a decent amount of people that are from watching him based on his language. So he, he created an outlet for them. And then at some point he stopped it. And I'm, and I'm wondering what that, that looked like in his head. Do you know what I mean? That justification. Yeah. Well, he has openly admitted that he le he's left a lot of millions on the table because he won't curse. He, if he goes on CNBC or something like that, he does stop cursing. But I saw a video of him on Instagram not too long ago. Someone says, ask him why he curses. And he goes, it's who I am. And they go, do you curse at home? Yeah, I curse in front of my kids. I curse everywhere. And it's just a part of him. Now, I give him credit for the point that, look, he's not going to change for you. This is who he is. So that part I respect for him. But when, I don't know, you're willing to leave millions on the table because you won't clean up your mouth. I don't know. No one is that. I never, I've been on podcasts where they swear. Now you can't swear on my show, but if I go on your show, it'd be really weird. They say, okay, if you, in order to be on my show, you have to cuss that no one does yeah. that. That that's weird. Okay. And, yeah. and so I've been on shows and I've been around people curse a lot and they feel uncomfortable. Now I know Gary wouldn't feel uncomfortable. He wouldn't care, but I mean, I got to give him credit that he's like, I know I've lost a lot of fans and a lot of money by not swearing. I could not do that. I mean, if I was doing something that offensive, in my opinion, now other people think yeah. it's great. You do you. But 
he is 100% authentic. He is saying, look, I know I'm losing fans. I know I'm losing money, but I don't want to change because that's not who I am. That part of Gary V, I 100% respect because so many people are chameleons. They're this they're this way around this group of people. They're this way around this group of people. Gary's like, look it, raw and all, you like me or hate me, this is who I am. And so that much I do appreciate about him. Yeah. No. And to be honest, I mean, that's why he's grown, right? I mean, because he has that authenticity. I always feel like the underdog, the authenticity, the, you know, those type of, of personas do really, really, really well. Um, and it's, it's kind of, you know, we were talking about a little bit before, you know, that's for me, I made a kind of the same pledge many, many years ago that, you know, uh, I can only be one thing and that's who I am, right? I can evolve, but you know, especially in business, when you're trying to lead people, you know, when you're trying to influence people, you have to start with something authentic. You know, you, you have to be able to stand at the very minimum. You have to be able to stand for what you believe in. Yep. hundred percent. This has been a fascinating conversation with you, Oliver. Where can we go to find out more about what you're doing and the dent you're putting in the universe? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'd recommend it. Any of you guys, uh, any of your listeners are looking for internet marketing, SEO, pay-per-click, paid social, any, any kind of help with that kind of uh, nature of the beast, feel free to check us out. Our company is trustedsearchmarketing.com. So you can go to trustedsearchmarketing.com. You can also check out my other company, which is called Track5, T-R-A-C-K-F-I-V-E. It's available at track5.com. We make uh, uh, recruitment platforms for different niche markets and it's all internet marketing driven. So uh, whether you're looking for, you know, platforms or you're looking for the digital, you know, push that gets them there, uh, we'd be happy to help you. And I just like, I want to thank you, Mark, for allowing me to come on the, the podcast and chat with you. It's been a lot of fun. Well, you know, I don't know what I'm going to title this episode yet. Uh, I got written down ADHD, productivity, marketing, and then I re- added a- authenticity. So they're probably all going to wind up in the title because we, we talked a lot about all those. But I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was an incredible conversation and uh, you gave us a lot of insights. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Also, uh, I think you probably just start the topic at, yeah, this is ADHD, ADHD, ADHD explained or ADHD example. <laughs> you know, so is this, this is like the very typical ADHD, you know, it starts with one thing, goes somewhere else, but it's all really fun and, and fun. But, you know, yeah, it is, it is the ADHD conversation personified. <laughs> <laughs> fun. Well, thank you again for being here. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your time and attention for listening to this episode of the Mark Stucheski podcast. Hey, are you a Mark Stucheski insider yet? This is my free email newsletter where I will send you value multiple times a week. And I promise you, every time I send an email out to my insiders, it always has value. So if you want to sign up, absolutely free. Just head on over to mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com.